What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Posbon, and you are listening to part two of episode 13 of VGM Generations. And with me, as always, is Aaron Belauchuk and Jordan Belinsky. Go home and be a family man. (laughs) What is that from? (laughs) That's got to be a Street Fighter. uh, Oh, yeah. It's a win quote. Oh, okay. (laughs) And... uh, Jordan's talking about Street Fighter because in this series of podcasts, we are talking about the franchises we love. And for Jordan, that's Street Fighter. And Jordan's going first this time. So what Street Fighter game did we pick this week? Well, I just want to change the name of this episode from uh, number two to number two turbo championship edition. <laughs> championship edition. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm jumping out of this, the core Street Fighter series this week. And I want to talk about a series between Capcom and SNK. Oh, uh, okay. They got together and they created a couple fighting games. Now, out of I'm sure most people that are into Street Fighter or fighting games are are familiar with the uh, like the crossover series, the verse series between Capcom franchises and other companies. What's SNK? What is it? Yeah, like it's a developer yeah. that has created a lot of a lot of fighting games. Japanese developer. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like Art of Fighting, King of Fighters. Samurai Showdown. That doesn't have fighting in the title. What do you mean? <laughs> you said uh, Art of Fighting, King of Fighters, and then you said Samurai Showdown, oh. which doesn't have fighting <laughs> in the title. So no. they failed. They failed. They it dropped the ball. still be a fighting game. Mortal Kombat doesn't <laughs> have fighting in the showdown, title. Showdown, <laughs> and that's like a fight, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so unlike most of the, uh, the, the crossover fighting games with Capcom, even though this has Capcom in the title, a lot of the characters in this game are Street Fighter, almost almost exclusively Street Fighter characters. So it's almost it's almost wrong to call it Capcom versus SNK. It should just be Street Fighters versus a whole bunch of SNK fighting games. So started back in 2001, there was uh, the original Capcom versus SNK. Then they came out with number two a year later. And then a few years down the road from there, they went SNK versus Capcom. Now, <laughs> oh, top billing. They 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 flipped it because <laughs> whichever comes first. So if it's Capcom versus SNK, it means Capcom developed the game. If it's oh, okay. SNK versus sense. Capcom, top billing is goes to the developer. So originally, and now like I can't confirm this hundred percent, but allegedly there was a magazine article uh, from Arcadia Magazine um, back in the late '90s, and they wrote an article on King of Fighters '98 releasing around the same time as Street Fighter Alpha 3. Now, according to information online, (laughs) fans misread this title and interpreted it as, I guess it was a bit of a misleading headline from Arcadia Magazine to lead people to believe that there was going to be a King of Fighters versus Street Fighter game, which there wasn't, but it got a conversation going between Capcom and SNK. So that's actually a pretty cool Ooh, happy backstory accident. how it how it happened. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like so, Kingdom Hearts and how those like two execs met in an elevator and it was like, let's do this. Yeah. Well, if if exact well, I guess, yeah, because people wanted it to happen. There was mm. no no actual plan for it, right? Yeah. So happy accident. Happy accident. They wrote up a contract and agreed to make a couple games each, and that's where it all began. So the series, um, like I said, even though it's supposed to be Capcom roster, um, in one of the particular games, I think it was Capcom versus SNK2, uh, there's 24 Capcom characters, and 20 of the 24 are Street Fighter. Did, so, did they have fun characters like Arthur from Ghosts and Goblins and like Jill Valentine and that no, kind of stuff? So, they had Mega Man, didn't they? No. <laughs> did they have no. like box art Mega Man? Was he in that one? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the that's actually... <laughs> Street Fighter Cross Tekken had, yeah. Anyways, Boxer, the, yeah. Do you not know about this? No, I okay, don't know. I, 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 okay, I, <laughs> I'm sorry to get. get well, you I, here, but I, it's fun. I consider talking about Capcom uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken just to talk about Box Art Mega Man, but I'm not going to. So, um, they put Mega Man in Street Fighter Cross Tekken, and they used Box Art Mega Man. That's so they're like lumpy yellow and blue. You know, yeah, like he's a, over, he's overweight. <laughs> he's uh, he's got a pistol. Yeah. And um, and he communicates with Roll, who's supposed to be a sister, and she's sort of like a pinup model. <laughs> oh my which god! Is funny the two of them, <laughs> the uh, the dynamic there. But anyways, Capcom versus SNK, mostly Street Fighter characters. Where if you look at the SNK side, it's like all of their franchises. So because all, all their fighting games are sort of more rooted in a real world, like all the characters are humans. 
Um, you don't got a lot. You don't have a lot of monster characters or anything. So Street Fighter tend to tend to lean towards uh, similar style. Like no, uh, no, no chibi characters, no monster characters. You know, you got Blanca, but that's about it. Do you get guys who like shoot lightning and stuff like that. Like, what about special powers? Like, because like, all the Street Fighter guys, <laughs> they can shoot fire and yeah, like, generate lightning. SNK and guys like that. can do that too. Yeah. A lot of them are. Uh, Doesn't King of Fighters have that super sexy girl that everybody always? Like you always see poison photos of no, not poison because that's not a girl. girl. Um, it's the one who has like the red robe. Yeah, that's um, oh. my Shiranui or something like that. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, she's in the game and I forget which I, if she's King of Fighters or what. I forget where yeah, she's I think from. She's but King of Fighters. I've yeah. seen some uh, pretty risque statues of, of that character. Yeah, I know exactly, you're that's about, exactly why I know who she is because that you always see her statue around. <laughs> yeah. Her well, figure, we should say, not statue. <laughs> with those uh, SNK characters, it's like, it's funny because I don't know, I don't really know any of them because, but um, Street Fighter characters, they're like pop like, culture. They're and iconic. Yeah, yeah. iconic. Like, even if you don't know the series, you know the characters. You've seen Ryu yeah. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people aren't too familiar with SNK's work because they were, uh, they, they worked really closely with Neo Geo. So they were like a lot of their stuff was arcade or the Neo Geo arcade console stuff. So like, um, so they worked on dead consoles. <laughs> well, yeah, but a lot of stuff was arcade release, like yeah. more exclusive to arcades, or you had to be one of those like rich people that had a Neo Geo back in the day. Well, yeah. you only ever see those like Neo Geo multiple console machines where you can like pick from a list kind of game yep. thing. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. and usually you'll find a couple of fighting games in there from them. And I'll go there and I'll play like puzzle bobble and then I'll be done. Yeah. I, I don't want to play anything <laughs> else on there. Um, so throughout the development, uh, SNK actually went bankrupt. They went under, um, they were bought out by a few different companies. Um, so it was unfortunate because the, the, out of the, the crossover series, the Capcom games did really well and the SNK developed crossover games didn't do as well. Okay. And unfortunately most of the money goes to the developer, right? So yeah. the Capcom versus SNK, uh, games did well. Um, but not well enough for SNK to, to, to stay alive. Yeah. So they're, they're still around. The properties are still out there, but they've been bought out and they've been resold a couple well, of times. What they should have done is after they went out of business, Capcom should have bought that property. They should have just bought all that property. They would be like the, you uh, think, yeah, yeah they would be the undisputed yeah. fighting. It'd be well, like, I was going to say they're like the, the Vince McMahon of fighting games and <laughs> just own everything. I was going to say the EA of sports games, but like, you know, like EA is the sports game. Mm -hmm. They slowly squeezed the life out of every other developer. Else. They slowly the, uh, turn every franchise one. that they do into a fighting game. Doesn't matter what it <laughs> yeah, is. Exactly. Mega Man and like Resident Evil. Yeah, it all becomes all fighting. fighting. Um, so SNK actually, uh, a lot of their fighting games started because of Capcom uh, employees. After Street Fighter 1 and the big success that it was, and I know we've joked about it last week, but it was actually fairly successful for its time. Um, a few employees left. And they went to SNK and started up some of these fighting games. So there's, you could see there's a lot of Street Fighter influence there because a lot of the Street Fighter guys went and made uh, these SNK fighting games. Um, so it was kind of cool to see them finally come together and fight each other like that. Um, so we have that, and um, there's a bit of backlash with Capcom developing these games because, uh, like SNK, they put a lot of effort into their sprite design. Like they every like they do like a new King of Fighter game every year they do like fighting games like constantly it's what they do and yeah. every time they're like redrawing these sprites and coming up with new designs instead of rehashing the things over and over again so when the capcom snk games came out um like like usual snk designed all these new sprites and artwork and capcom kind of did they like <laughs> some characters got There's new a sprite work yeah like well because because they're trying to blend the two styles right because capcom's very like um anime sort of like uh, cartoony and SNK is more realistic. So they, uh, when they did the crossover, they tried to find a middle ground where where it could sort of work for everybody. But 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 street all the Street Fighter characters kind of look like they were ripped from other games, mm -hmm. and the SNK characters they look like they're brand new. They yeah. don't quite align from their art styles, eh? Not really. Um, the, the neat thing is that there's um, this groove setup. Uh, the grooves are pretty much like your fighting styles based on your like your your meters and whatnot. And depending on whether you pick a Capcom or an SNK style meter, um, your character's like artwork will change to like Capcom style or SNK hmm. style. So the cool thing oh, is like cool. <laughs> Capcom redrew the SNK characters in their style and vice versa. So, um, you know, I, I typically pick an SNK groove, 
but play as Street Fighter characters. So I get these really like weird looking like uber realistic <laughs> drawings of Zangief where he like, he looks like he's a real person and other characters like to see what Blanca would look like if he was a real person kind of reminds me of the, the Street Fighter of the movie from the 90s. <laughs> so. The terrible, terrible movie. It's funny when you talk about this, like I, it's kind of, it's so cool that stuff like this happens. Like I love collaborations in everything, like in movies and music and everything. Collaborations are always cool. But it's it's so hard to believe that like these two companies would collaborate because they seem like enemies, right? They're like well, competing all the time. They're like, you're putting out Street Fighter. Yeah. We're putting out King of Fighters. We want ours to win. And yet still they'll come together. Like I love that they did. It was a good strategy on SNK's part because totally, it's basically yeah, like, it's more yeah. benefit to SNK yeah. than it is to, to Capcom. I think yeah, I, f I feel like they, even have though a, they went out of business, <laughs> well, they have, they, have, they have, they're, they're still making games. Like the properties yeah. are still alive. Yeah. 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 I feel like SNK has a bigger pool to draw from, but street fighter obviously is way more popular. Yeah. Um, and it is cool to see the two uh, franchises cross over like that, but I feel like the epitome of the ultimate crossover that we'll never get that goes back to when I was a kid is Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat. Kombat yeah. And that won't fly because the That's two universes about for are a million years. far too different. Yeah, like, they will, it would be closer to like the Mortal Kombat versus DC franchise where it's like, okay, you can't physically kill Batman. We won't let you, yeah. but you can hurt him a lot. Right? Yeah. But never say never because like I never thought we'd see Solid Snake in Smash Bros or <laughs> that, or Ryu, right? That's so aren't a good there point. a ton of like uh, fan made games and stuff oh, yeah. like that where like there's and I know there's some fairly popular ones which just keep getting updated rosters all the time. Yeah, where people just keep putting in whatever the current popular yep. pop culture well, character is. There's uh, there's software called Mugen or Mugen, yeah. but I call I, I think it's Mugen, and I used to use that back in high school. And essentially, you just travel the internet looking for um, character sprites and like these little packages. These little packets and you kind of throw them into this program and you get like literally any like you any fighting game any character all coming together all these level packs you yeah. just sort of make your own fighting game those are the ones where you like go online and you see like uh the full cast of like dragon ball z that's in, <laughs> at, in street fighter goku versus homer simpson yeah that's mujin yeah. yeah and 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 it's funny because people are all like making these these packages of characters so you get like You'll get like, um, what's a good example? So someone like Ryu from Street Fighter and you know, he's based off his sprite from say Street Fighter 2. Yeah. But then you get like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat 2, but it's his arcade sprites. So he's twice as tall and his <laughs> kicks go over Ryu's head. Awesome. And it's like the collision still happens. Like you get kicked in the head, even though his leg went over your head. It's not polished by any means, but there's a community there that is working towards making it better. It's been around for mm, 15 years, maybe, maybe longer. It's been around for a long time. Yeah. But anyways. It's, it's just a cool, fun thing. Yeah. So I don't think you've told us the name of your song yet. Well, the song doesn't really tie into anything in particular. So I just decided to pick a fun song because Valentine's is this week. I'm going to go with 2001's Capcom vs. SNK2, and it's the London stage. This song is called True Love Makin'. Let's go.
Well, it's, it's funny because um, every Street Fighter game, sort of the music is uh, has a different theme to it, like um, like almost a genre to it. Like Street Fighter Three is heavily influenced by a little bit of hip hop. Um, you have like Marvel vs. Capcom Two; it has like a smooth jazz sort of like over overview to it. It's always weird when like fighting games have smooth jazz. I don't know; it messes with my head. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. Like. Uh, Capcom vs. SNK series has this sort of disco dance pop flair to it. So a lot of the levels you'll play in either are seem like they're inspired by the place in the world that you're fighting in, or they have like this really like happy disco dance flavor to it. So it's it's fun. So the only other other thing I really want to mention that's kind of interesting about the Capcom SNK crossover. So I said that a couple of guys, uh, actually, I think they were like the producers or, or directors of the first Street Fighter game. They were the ones that left to SNK. So there's been a lot of back and forth because um, so the guys that went to SNK, they developed based on their inspiration from the huge success that Street Fighter became after they left their own version of Ryu and Ken. There's this character called uh, Ryo Sakazaki, and I'm not too familiar with him uh, in the games, but you know I, I am familiar with his backstory. So he's just a Ryu Ken ripoff. He's like a Shoto style fighter. He wears the the same bright colored gi like Ken. Uh, he shoots fireballs. He's got a dragon punch. So he's just a blatant ripoff. So a straight ripoff. Yeah, he's a straight <laughs> ripoff of of Ryu and Ken. And it's cool because in a lot of Street Fighter games, depending on who you who you are and who you fight. Um, the pre-fight animation will change between the characters. So sometimes they'll just be in their like uh, fighting stance and it'll say round one fight. But if you have Ryu versus Ken, they'll do like a bro fist before they fight. And then it says round one fight and they go. So there's, depending on who you are, the dynamic changes. Like everyone knows the, the history between Ryu and Sagat. It's like good and evil, right? So when they, before they fight, you know, Sagat, he grips his chest because if you know what Sagat looks like, he's got the eye patch and he's got this big scar across his chest. Well, that scar comes from a fight with Ryu where Ryu gave him the dragon punch and, and permanently scarred his chest. So before they fight, Sagat grabs his chest and he kind of like clenches where the scar is and Ryu, he tightens his headband and it's like, okay, let's go. So there's some cool stuff there. I'm going to finish the um, yeah. job this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so back to, back to, wait, uh, sorry, just before you go, Sagat, right? Yeah. The guy with the eye patch and the shorts. Yep. Did you see the, uh, MMA fighter that cosplay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did. I just have to mention that cause it's current events, but uh, yeah, some female MMA cause. Do you well, know her name? She was specifically from UFC and yeah. I can't remember her name offhand, but, um, Apparently she's she's also dressed up as Dalzim from Street Fighter. Oh really? She went up on stage with like skull a skull necklace and she like did the yoga poses and had the <laughs> face paint on. And yeah. and so if you don't know, yeah, she went up on stage and she stood in Sagat's fight stance and she sort of did like this three frame animation that was bounce kind just of thing. Yeah. Really kind of awkward. And she wore an eye patch. Yeah. And after they had done the like the finished the way in, yeah, finished the way in. She crossed her arms and she did like the the sixteen bit uh, laugh animation where it's like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> she's my new favorite UFC fighter. Oh, like yeah. I wanted to win all the titles, like and just so I could see her do <laughs> a different like Street Fighter oh, celebration each it. time. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> um, so so back to uh, the the Rio and Ken ripoff character Rio. Uh, if you in Capcom versus SNK, if you Put the two, pit the two of them against each other. Uh, it's it's almost. I feel like it was on purpose, but they kind of like start in the same place in the air and they like jump backwards, like they just came out of the same space. If that makes well, it's any like sense, splitting into a good and evil version. Almost like it was almost like the screen comes up from black and you see the screen, and it's like they split apart, like they were one in the same, which oh, is okay. kind of neat. Yeah. yeah. So alternate dimension versions of each other. Exactly. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Capcom has a character that (laughs) is an inspiration of Rio, which is an inspiration (laughs) of Rio and Ken. What do you, are you guys familiar with Dan Hibiki? Oh yeah. I know who. Yeah. Yeah. I know. He's kind of like a Steven Seagal looking version of Rio and Ken. And he's like a big joke, right? Oh, he's a big joke. Like half of his uh, fighting moves are just like poses and taunts. Yeah. Um, He shoots a Hadouken that goes like a half foot in front of him. Yeah. He doesn't quite have the moves and a lot of people really enjoy him because of he's humorous. And if you lose to him, it's like, oh man, you lost to Dan. (laughs) Yeah. The worst. So anyways, he was, he was inspired by 
SNK ripping off Ryu and Ken. So it's been a friendly back <laughs> and forth. Their because, rip off, yeah. Well, honestly, if there was really an issue, I'm sure there would be some sort of legal action. But the two have yeah. always gone back and forth and seem to be really close. Some sort of friendship there. So that's about all I want to say about the series. It's uh, it's probably one of my favorite crossover series. So Capcom versus SNK. Check it out. Number two is what we, the well, music we listen to, right? We listen to number two. Yeah. One and two are, are very similar. What's your favorite of the three? Number two. Number two. It has a bigger right. roster. Um, it's on more, pla- I think it's on every platform for the generation it came out. I played it on, on GameCube. There's actually a mode on the GameCube called GC-ism that got a lot of backlash. It's um, essentially, if you're familiar with Smash Bros, the C-stick, how it's like your one button easy move. Yep. Move set. Um, yep. That's what they did for uh, for the GameCube version. So you could like wiggle the yellow C-stick and you could just, repeatedly shoot fireballs, do do combos and dragon punches. Mm. Well, we on the Nintendo team, we actually demoed that game. And, oh, okay. uh, oh did ma- you really? We, <laughs> and we made fun of it all the time because of the whole GC-ism. GC-ism actually became a slogan for our team for anything that was like stupid and easy, <laughs> like some terrible cop-out, which is still used to this day. So, Well, it's funny because a lot of people... That's sla- hilarious. They, sla- <laughs> they slam the game for having GC-ism, but if you compare it to all the other games, it's the same game just with this added feature that you don't have to use. So I don't see why it's it's a worse game for having something yeah. that you don't have to use. That happens all the time, though, because like I remember they did a Street Fighter from uh, mobile and there was basically just like a super move button. Yeah. Instead of like having to actually execute something, you just press the super move button and people are like, this game's absolute trash. Yeah. Like, so if like <laughs> it's with the fighting game community, I think if you make things too easy, it's like it upsets all those people who like had to learn when they were kids and they <laughs> yeah. were like, well, they took me six months to perfect the Hadouken. Yeah, you yeah. can't do it with one button. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how, exactly how I don't agree with the uh, using the C-stick to do smashes in Smash Brothers. You don't like I it? I don't like it. See, I actually friend, hate it. I'm, fr- I'm a, I, Because I learned on the original Smash Brothers for the N64. Exactly, so where there was it's no... push and attack, and yeah. like, that's it. And I never, ever used the C-stick yeah. ever while See, playing it. See, why one friend refuses to use it mm. and gets mad at us for using it. <laughs> and I'm just like, listen, all the pros use it. It's in there to use. Yeah. You can use it. All you got to do is slide your thumb over. If you don't GC-ism. want to. GC-ism. <laughs> if you don't want to, not my fault. Not my fault. I uh, just glancing at my notes, one last interesting fact. So after SNK actually went under and they were bought out, some of the guys left and started a new company called Dimps. Are you guys familiar with this company? No. no. Well, <laughs> I remember that. That's a silly name. It, it yes, is, it a, is silly a silly name. name. They've, they've helped develop a lot of other games and some of them include Street Fighter 4, Street Fighter Cross Tekken, and Street Fighter 5. So the the legacy of SNK crosses over into Capcom territory quite a bit. That's cool. So yeah. it still lives on a bit. Today. Absolutely. All right. Thank well, you, Aaron. Gimps. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. What do you got for us, Aaron? I have the same series that we talked about last time because it's franchise. Of course. So I'm talking about, since this is podcast number two in the series. Mary-Kate uh, and Ashley Olsen's That's right. Mary-Kate and Ashley Party Olsen's. Mayhem 2. <laughs> Volume 2. <laughs> Which had the best music, I might add. No, we're talking about Fantasy Star, the RPG series with from a P. Sega. PH H- Fantasy Star. Yeah. Pan- fantasy? Fantasy Star. Fantasy. Fantasy Star. Fantasy Star, yes. No, that's a different game. Though, you know, I'm sure if that game was still going on today, it would have got increasingly, you know, dead or alive to up and oh, yeah. game Panty Star. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, Fantasy Star 2. As I talked about last time, the original Fantasy Star came out on the Master System, but this one came out in 1989, so we had the uh, Genesis. Yes, the or console th- that people actually bought. That's right. I like the Master System. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved my Genesis. And uh, Me too. Fantasy Star 2, um, like I said, came out in 1989. The music was again by Tokihiku Uwabo, who was credited as Bo. <laughs> the bow glasses. Bo, the bow bo with bo, the bow glasses yeah. back again for the music in this. And of course, now Bo had the uh, the awesome FM chip at at his disposal to uh, to create new music for the for this uh, sequel. So I'm got a few facts here. Let's see what I've got. There. Oh, this is one thing I didn't know about uh, about Fantasy Star as a series, or even about Fantasy Star Two. But before, when this game was originally released, they also released eight text adventures along with it, which actually came out on the Sega MegaNet, which I believe we've talked about the MegaNet. That was like their, uh, their like uh, cable subscription. Well, that or, was the Sega Channel. That was the Sega yeah. Channel. But this was like... MegaNet, an, I don't know. This was like an online version of that. Like oh, okay. basically where you... Like I a think, web browser almost within the console? 
something like that. I didn't find a lot heard of information. Of things like that too. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of information specifically. I'm, on just, the I'm just guessing. <laughs> and I just thought that was. I just mainly just thought it was silly that they actually released text adventures for yeah. for this game, which provided a lot of backstory to the game. Which that's I cool. Though. No now, idea. It was even existed. The Mega Net was it Mega exclusive Net. to the Mega Drive? Well, I mean, the Mega Drive was the Genesis. Yes, so yes, yes. yes. But, this but was, that means that it wouldn't have come out in no, North no, America. No, no, no. This would have been a Japan-only thing. So yeah. if, okay. you, if oh, any of okay. North Americans are attempting to, uh, to look for these text adventures, they're probably, there may be a fan translation, but you're probably out of luck otherwise. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I didn't see a lot of information on it. So there may be information that it did exist, but whether it, it's still out there in the wild and you can get your hands on it, no idea. Also, mm. it looks like it was a precursor to the Sega Channel. Uh Utilized only in Japan and later Brazil. And, <laughs> oh, uh, Brazil. <laughs> yeah, and used, uh, you know, Brazil loves the Genesis, right? They still yeah. make Genesis in Brazil. I'm going to Brazil. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, it was dial-up internet is what it ran off of. So there you go. Yeah. Sega Meganet. Sega Meganet. Sega Meganet. Sega Meganet. It's, oh, it's a good name. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. And uh, well, I have a story associated with this uh, game. This is my, uh, my little personal story that goes with uh, Fantasy Star 2 is that uh, I only ever played this game originally because uh, the local rental shop had it. And uh, if I, rental shops are now a thing of the past, I'm afraid. What's yep. a rental What's shop? What's a rental <laughs> shop? It's like Gamefly, but you had to go there and actually pick up things. <laughs> but in my tiny little town, there was a couple of uh, rental shops. And this one specifically was called SOS Electronics. And it wasn't really... A rental shop. Sounds like a repair shop. It was it a repair like. yeah. shop. That's all it was. It's like they did rent a few movies, but it was primarily like TV VCR repair kind of thing. So it was like rentals were like an on the side business for them. Yeah, kind yeah. of seemed like that. It was a, a dingy little shop essentially that had this stuff, but they had two Genesis games for rent. Fantasy Star 2 was one of them and the other was Ghostbusters on the Genesis, which was a weird, bizarre selection just to have only those two games ever it seemed. And I never two games that the owner bought the, and yeah, was the just like, personal collection <laughs> yeah. that he just got didn't tired want of. It, probably. Yeah, he got tired of them. He wanted a reason to buy new games. He's like, well, if I rent these like five times each, I can go buy a new game. <laughs> Weirdest thing is that I'm a Ghostbusters fan, and I never rented their copy of Ghostbusters. Really? I was yeah. going to say, <laughs> I, I would just assume that the next part of the story was going to be, I played Fantasy Star 2 and also Ghostbusters. No, but I, I rented Fantasy Star 2 because I was just blown away by... You know, against essentially screenshots. I'd never played a game that looked and sounded as epic as this thing did from the back of the box, essentially. Yeah. So, and and I remember renting this one, bringing it home, and it had a manual that was like a little book. It practically came with a strategy guide. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. engrossed that I probably spent most of the time on the rental reading the manual and very little time actually, <laughs> actually playing, playing the, the game. game. And when that place shut down... Like, they eventually went out of business. I bought that copy of Fantasy Star 2. So that oh, is my awesome. copy of Fantasy Star 2. That's really cool. That's yeah. like, that's, awesome. that's, that's like, that's diamond nostalgia. You know what I mean? Like, this is the one I rented and now it's yeah, mine. Yeah, and now it's mine when they went under. So I still have that to this day. I've got, the, and it had the manual and it had the box. And in classic Fantasy Star tradition, I know I talked last time about how bad the box art was yeah. on the original Fantasy Star. This one... Somehow got bad. even worse. <laughs> Just as bad. This one got worse. That's funny. Like, I wish, I, I mean, obviously we're, we're talking and you can't see it, but it basically had a painting of two of the main characters. It was kind of like the Mega Man box art in the sense that they looked nothing like the characters. And the painting was really like kind of abstractly rendered. It almost looked like the characters were melting a little bit. <laughs> It's a bizarre it's a wax one. So, painting yeah, that was held too close to a flame or something. <laughs> it totally, totally looks like that. And then, again, the characters don't resemble the characters in the game or have anything to do with it. It was, again, this epic fantasy art, yet the characters in the game had this very anime style, so no correlation there at all. But, you know, it was it's pretty, a fantasy star thing. Pretty common, though, for games to have, like, this epic box art, and then you're supposed to just use your imagination to <laughs> fill in the blanks. Yeah, but I actually, I really liked the art style in the game because it used um, it used like an anime kind of style, which I at that point in my life, I didn't have a lot of exposure to anime really yet. This was sort of like my first exposure to that sort of like character design. They had style. one of one of the prominent character classes, the races that was in it was a character called the Newman, which was kind of like a, a mutant. And it was like a, a pointy eared cat eared kind of character, very like classic Japanese animation style of character. But that was the first time I'd ever experienced it. And it was one of the draws to this game of me to me was just that style that I that opened really up seen. your love for furries. It after did. That. It did. And to this day, you know, you should see my collection at home. <laughs> oh God. But uh, cats and anime go hand in hand. I I've always wondered if like, you know, cause there's a few examples, like we talked about Mega Man now, fantasy star of just like where you have like a very anime ish, like, you know, Japanese animation style game 
obviously coming out of Japan. And then in North America, you have this horrible box art. Yeah. And I've always wondered if he's like, maybe there's just some really racist art director <laughs> yeah. who was just really mad about it. And he was like, they got the whole game, but they ain't getting the box. And somehow he worked on the box art for like every game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or he just hired like the same terrible artist to do all the games. Yeah, I think I think a lot of times they just tell the artist what to draw and there's they haven't even started making the game yet or they're in development and they don't it's show like, the artist what the game is. It's like you say, there's a pointy-eared like cat-like woman and then on the box it's like this blue-haired older woman with horns for some reason. <laughs> like yeah, they totally. had no idea what they were doing. Totally. So, and as explained last time, this, uh, this series is uh, about this dark force that comes and threatens the people of this one solar system every thousand years. So this game takes place a thousand years after the first one. Oh, I like that. That's yeah. cool. And so uh, a whole new character cast, a whole, a whole new cast, yep. Was, is it still saving her brother? Is that still the... Well, no, that, was, still see, that was original. It's not in this okay. one. It's actually in this one, you play a character named Rolf, who... Uh, who is a government agent. He works for the government of this planet, uh, Motavia, and... Uh, like CIA, sort of? Well, what what had happened? No, he works, I think, for... Or I guess maybe, FBI. Maybe for the for the uh, Motavian government, and I think I might have explained this in the last one, is that each planet in the solar system has, like, a different climate. Yeah. Where there's, like, a jungle one, a desert one, an ice one. And so he worked on Motavia, which was the desert one. But in the last thousand years, they've developed computer systems to essentially terraform the planet. And so what was once a desert world is now this like lush, green, prosperous planet. And he works for, and he, so he's this government agent. What happens is that the mother brain, like the, the central control system for the weather system starts going like kind of crazy. So he has to go. Uh, is it like run by an AI or something like that? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so so it's classic, classic sci-fi story. Yeah. The AI is going awry and <laughs> we need to fix it. That seems to happen in all the fantasy star games. There's always like a AI system that seems to go awry. A little loopy. Yeah. I may be actually, I may be getting my plots of this fantasy star series a little <laughs> bit confused because uh, th- like they all sort of deal with the same sort of thing. Okay, but yeah. I mean, I may, Fair that, enough. you know, that sounds to me like fantasy star four, but fantasy star two was, yes, you were a government agent who had to investigate sort of a problem with this system. And what happens is that at the end of the game, you end up destroying the system and this, you cause this satellite to crash into the other planet, Palma, and that causes a great cataclysm on Motavia, which then begins to revert back into its like horrible desert state by the time you get to Fantasy Star 4. Oh, okay. so this this all this so stuff all plays out together. This all plays out in this so huge, long, long, epic tale. Yeah, long timeline. And uh, Fantasy Star 2 was the, also the first game to use a 6 megabit cartridge. Wow. So it was it was massive for the time, very big game, and also uh, one thing I didn't know is that this had maybe the first openly gay character in a video game. Oh wow! You nice. visit a town and there's a musician there who comments on the male protagonist looking cute. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so very progressive. Like the first game had a female protagonist. And this yeah. One so yeah, I guess yeah. The, the, so. Obviously a very progressive team. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Also, the uh, for some completely unknown reason, the music in the Jap- Japanese and North America versions are exactly the same, except the snare drum in the Japanese version is much much louder. <laughs> which is <laughs> a, which is a snare. weird thing. I have no idea if that was just you know if that was harder. a conscious decision that they just wanted more snare drum in the Japanese version, but tone that down for the North Americans. They can't take that snare drum. It's <laughs> too much for their That's very delicate strange, ears. Yeah. So the song is called Mystery. So Mystery from Fantasy Star 2.
go back and play now because it's a little bit again like I said the first one was difficult to play because it was very cumbersome and two was yeah very much like that it was a huge improvement huge refinement over one but still it's a very slow game to go back and play and of course it's available on like the virtual console and I have a version of it on for the PlayStation 2 they released a Sega Genesis collection yes and this that's appears, a great that's yeah. a great collection. I have that collection. And that collection has Fantasy Star 2 and 3 on it, I believe. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. That collection's like crazy. That's like one of the like the best like game collections that like for value. Oh, yeah. It's like it's fantastic. Absolutely. It's Vector Man. <laughs> that was the first time I played Vector Man was on that collection. <laughs> I never played it back on the Genesis. So. I, I got to fi- find a way to work Vector Man into like every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it so much. Did your, um, just as a question, did your brother's get into this too or was this just, just you because i know you were all short short consoles i can, I can up get into stuff. that a little bit uh, a little bit later on is oh, okay that, i mean i'll, I'll got just a story bring on that one of the it's following not, episodes it's not much of a story and just that uh, like fantasy star 2 was sort of my thing originally yeah and uh fantasy star 3 and then fantasy star 4 my brother um my younger brother he got into it like heavily like oh, okay. extremely Deep dive. Uh, deep dive. In fact, his st- screen name, Chaz Ashley, yeah. that he uses in every game and online and in Steam and uh, in all things, is the name of the main character from Fantasy Star 4. Ah, a great mystery revealed. Yeah. I've always wondered where that name came from. <laughs> I thought it was his, like, I thought it was one of those, like, really bad ones where it was, like, his high school girlfriend or whatever, and he just kept, <laughs> and he just ran with it or no, something. No, that's Chaz Ashley from Fantasy Star 4. Oh, that's yeah. cool. There you go. There is an interesting story. That there you go. Yeah. Perfect. All right, well, I guess uh, that's all for Fantasy Star, so we'll go back to me, and I am talking again about the Halo franchise. And uh, this week, we are going to talk about my favorite game in the Halo franchise, which is Halo 3. And so we're skipping over 2, which I'm sure, if the, if anyone out there, if any of our 14 listeners are big Halo fans, I'm sure they will, will come at me with great rage, because Halo 2 is, is um, considered, I think, by most of the hardcore Halo uh, community to be the best, but uh, three was my favorite. Well, doesn't mean you might not come back to it later in the month. <laughs> That's true, but and, uh, and it's, it's, it's good because Halo is more popular than Fantasy Star. They're more likely to come after you for any like misinformation on <laughs> on Halo than they are to come after me for Fantasy Star because I just make up any crap at all. And, yeah, like, and nobody, nobody would really know. know. Okay, so <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. So we're talking about Halo Three. Um, obviously, still developed by Bungie and published by Microsoft Game Studios in the year two thousand seven is where we're going for Halo 3. And uh, Marty O'Donnell and Michael Salvatore. And actually, um, point of correction, uh, I said that uh, last time, like, you hear more about Marty all the time than Michael. And I thought it was because Michael sort of slowly faded into the background on this stuff. But I watched a a short little clip of a documentary, um, a game music documentary actually called, I think it's just called Beep. Um, Like, bleep and bloop, but they just shortened it to beep. (laughs) But... uh, um, Marty uh, did a interview and he talked about how uh, Michael Salvatore is actually one of his good friends and he kind of dragged him kicking and screaming into the video game world. He never really wanted to compose for video games, but, um, you know, he was still Marty's good friend. And so if Marty said, you know, come do this with me, he said, okay, I'll come do this with you. So, um, so that's where uh, that relationship leaves us. But uh, so, yeah, this uh, the track I picked is called Finish the Fight which is um, the actual, it's actually the music that accompanied the uh, launch trailer of this game that uh, was first shown at E3 2006. And uh, you can't talk about the track called Finish the Fight without actually talking about Halo 2. So anyone who was mad that I wasn't going to talk about Halo 2, we're still going to talk about it a bit. So um, if you guys don't know. um, I don't know. You don't know anything about this? Nothing. Okay. Me so, neither. No? Okay, so finish the fight. Even the though whole, I played all the way through Halo 2. So. Did you? Oh, really? Yeah. So, okay. You, so, this I is going to bring back know. memories. But, okay, so but the whole finish the fight thing um, is, so what happened was Halo 2 um, is kind of like wildly regarded as, did, did you, either of you guys watch The Sopranos either? No. No? Okay, uh, that reference will work. But anyway, <laughs> Sopranos had kind of like a um, cut off like cliffhanger hanger ending oh yeah it's kind of all it's kind of very much assumed that they couldn't figure out how to end the show so they just kind of chose not to they just ended it they didn't they left it very much to interpretation yeah and so whereas people thought they were gonna get a very defined ending so with halo um halo 2 specifically you go through the game you um the one of the big innovations was or, or changes was you're not just playing as master chief you also played as this covenant character called the arbiter um 
if you played Halo, you know all this stuff. Uh, and then you go, you're fighting on a different planet, and then basically the Covenant come to Earth. You decide, okay, I'm going to go to Earth and going to go save Earth. You go through this slipstream on the <laughs> I ship. I like how casual that is. It's, I'm going to go to Earth. I'm going to save <laughs> well, Earth. Well, like, because you've been fighting. Yeah, I you've guess, been fighting. maybe. It's yeah. been all these epic battles all over the place, and now, like, they br- basically brought the fight to your house, and mm. now you have to go save the planet. And um, It's not like Doom 2. I was just going to say, because <laughs> in Doom, they, they invaded, hell invaded Earth. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, so they show up. You go through this slipstream in the spaceship. You like see Doom as well. <laughs> you see Earth. <laughs> Have you seen Master Chief? He's a ripoff yeah. of the character from Doom. He absolutely is. Man, this this episode is going in a different direction than I thought. But um, you show up at Earth and cut to black, and everyone's like, and then the Earth last line, the last, the last line <laughs> of Halo Two is uh, like the the one of the ship. The admirals ask like Master Chief, and they're like, "Why are you here?" And he's like, "I'm here to finish the fight." And then cut to black, nothing, and everyone went. Like, what? What? <laughs> like, I was at the end of the game. And um, at first, Bungie, like, it's funny because, like, Bungie totally dodged a bullet on this one because it, it like, that could have been enough to make so many people angry that, like, this game was, you know, forever remembered in a negative light. Uh. But it's not. The online of Halo 2, of of uh, of the Xbox Live service and the online is why Halo 2 is so f- so fondly remembered but when it comes to the campaign at first they were like it was an artistic decision we did this because we want people to be like excited for halo 3 and blah 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 blah. and then many years later they came out and they were like no we just we had what it was was they wanted to hit um they wanted to hit the release at a very certain date there was a lot of advertising and marketing that had gone up to that point and they just didn't have time so they there was going to be a final level on earth you were going to fight win and all this stuff yeah, but that almost sounds like a smart decision anyways, because no, that's, yeah. how, that's how like the Lord of the Rings movies and yeah, all so that. It, that's it a fantastic cliffhanger. The, like, there's not, that's, it worked yeah. out in their it favor, but, almost be too much but it had, wasn't, yeah. the game wasn't initially, I don't think when they designed it, they were thinking of it as a trilogy. They thought it was going to be one and two and that was kind of going to be it. Uh, so unlike, yeah, unlike Lord of the Rings where they know they're making <laughs> like 12 movies. Well, well, and also like they have source material to go off of, yeah, right? Like they, yeah. they're writing this kind of on the fly. So, but, um, but yeah, that's the whole, so that's where the name finish the fight comes from. So that's, that's all we were talking about there. So, um, <laughs> this was, uh, the music, um, for the announcement trailer and a bunch of other, uh, music for Halo three, uh, was recorded with a 60 piece orchestra and 24 piece choir. So much, a much larger, um, ensemble than was for Halo one or two. And, um, the last, uh, music thing I'll talk about before, uh, we talk about, uh, some fun things with Halo 3 is uh, so last time I talked about uh, Bungie's whole system of like the dynamic music and the we had the sound tags and the sound files so uh, for Halo 1 we had uh, about 11,650 sound files Halo 2 we had about 15,000 sound files Halo 3 we had 50,000 sound files so it was a big jump <laughs> when they went to the when they went to the 360 in, in terms of the like variance and like depth and breadth of sound. So yeah, my question was going to be, are those sound files in relation to possible events that could happen to trigger those or is the game just bigger or maybe both? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of both. Like there's, there's just more sounds and then they can be triggered. There's more things that trigger them and that's, that's all sound. So that's music, that's sound effects, that's voices, everything. Every time you teabag somebody, the music could change. I was just going to say that, you know, 30,000 of those sound files was just master chief grunting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But um, actually there's a lot of really good AI um, like little sound clips where like the, your soldiers on missions will start to talk to each other and stuff like that. But anyway, so that's all we're going to talk about uh, now. Then we'll listen to the music and come back and talk about some more fun stuff.
Is there a, does, does Halo have a BFG or a BFG 9000? Not really. I guess they had, um, they had like the plasma cannon in later games where it was just basically a giant, like it would, it had to charge up and the Spartan laser in Halo. Pretty sure that Air was Force. a mid tier weapon in Doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. The best thing that Halo ever gave us, and I don't know if even Halo invented this, was the sticky grenade. Oh. Plasma grenade, yeah, yeah fantastic. That was cool. Yeah, that was uh, actually uh, just on a fun personal note, and it actually mixes in because it was in Halo Three that I would do this all the time. But we used to play. Um, so uh, in my group of friends, um, there in high school, there was a there was kind of a hesitation that happened when the PS3 and Xbox 360 launched, and you know we were kind of we talked about it for a long time, like you know what do you think you should get, like what console is better, what's stronger. And basically what happened was my one friend was tired of waiting and decided that, and he was kind of sort of the leader of our group at the time. And he kind of decided like, all right, I'm going to make this decision for everybody. And he went out (laughs) and bought a 360. And as soon as he bought a 360, like everybody else, like probably within a month, we all had them. Mm -hmm. And it was just that we wanted to play online. And so he picked the platform for us and then we just played online. So but one of the things I used to do with the sticky grenade was I wasn't that good at Halo multiplayer. Um, I got my ass kicked a lot and uh, my friends, my friends were more practiced because I never had an original Xbox, so I didn't really know the mechanics and stuff. But he, what my favorite thing to do was to pocket at least one plasma grenade so that the last thing you do right before you know that headshots coming or whatever you're about to die is you throw the plasma grenade. Uh, at your other friend, so you die, and then the plasma grenade explodes, and he dies. And it's called uh, from I think it's called the uh, achievement's called like from the grave or whatever. Like oh, so you're already dead, but you're yeah. So you die, and then your plasma grenade because it's got Just like a, a timer last F on you it. You to your you know yeah exactly from beyond the grave. And I used to get like at the end of every uh, multiplayer match, you get like awards, and I always had like twelve or. 20 of those (laughs) (laughs) and it was always on my one friend who was like he hated it he hated he hated that i always got that on him because there's like no way to dodge it because if you're coming in close you know firing as you're running towards someone you're perfectly lined up for that sticky grenade okay so So, it kind of like i don't have a lot of experience with the game so is it like kind of like the um uh which one is it uh the 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 mines in Goldeneye, you can throw them and stick them to walls and stuff like that. Sort of, but they're, they, they stick to whatever they touch stick and then to people and they so, stick to people. Yeah, so yeah. like if you throw it at someone, could they get passed off? I is that, am I thinking I of a different game? No, I'm thinking of a different game, but yeah, basically you throw it and then it sticks to you and then you're done. Yeah. You can't run away from it. There's nothing you can do. You're going to yeah. die. So, cool. and it's a one hit. Master kill. Chief, he never like, um, he never figured out brushing off his, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't yeah. do that. he couldn't reach up. I guess the other me. online Spartans <laughs> never figured it out either. But, um, but, uh, the, the thing I want to talk about with Halo three, two is something you kind of have to mention when it talks, when you talk about Halo three, which is the marketing campaign. Um, I think, to this, still to this day, it's one of the largest marketing campaigns, if not the largest, uh, for a game ever. Uh, it has its own Wikipedia page, just the marketing, oh, the marketing. for Halo Three, wow. <laughs> not even the game. Uh, so it was forty million that Xbox spent just marketing. Do you game. have what were some of the tactics they did for marketing? Yeah, so we're gonna go through all that. So it it was all stages, and so it came out with like there was trailers for the game, there was real time cinematics, uh, uh, recorded gameplay se- sequences, pre rendered CGI, and a live action film. Which never got made, but that's a yeah, whole thing. Yeah, I, I came across that the other day. You have to when you're yeah. yeah. So there, now, there since that since Halo Three has come out, there has been a couple of Halo films that have come out, full live action films. But there was supposed to be one that was like a, the, a Halo film was supposed to come like out with a kind theatrical of theatrical release, sort yeah, of. Yeah, like sort of not at the same time as Halo Three, but near it, and like to help hype it, basically. Now was Halo Three, and you probably if it is, then you'll get into this. But it was this the one that. Uh, introduced like the ARG, the augmented reality game, the one with like the bees. Yes, actually I wasn't going to get into it, but there was an augmented reality game. I, I read all this. I didn't remember. I didn't know or remember this at all, but it, yeah, basically there was an augmented reality game. It, it tied in with uh, like some retailers and stuff. And basically you had to go to websites and find about clues. Bees. And, yeah. yeah There's yeah. like a website about bees and you would basically like, like look through the code and find, yeah. like dig deeper into this yeah. thing to find so, and it, hints. To, and it was uh, one of those like, uh, you know, internet hive mind things where you know all all these people came together and started like I found this well I found this and then put it all together and 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 there were some details and and spoilers not spoilers but like story details about the game Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) but that's funny that you know that Um, even though you never played this game you said but um, 
information so, is just beamed directly to me. Yeah, exactly. But uh, beamed through bees. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but w- one of my favorite things and the thing I want to bring up uh, was um, on September 12th, 2007, Halo did a, like a, it was called the Believe ad campaign. And what it was were these live action, um, uh, like they basically, it was this fake museum that they built and it was all to the, the, to the, memory of master chief and the battle that happened on earth. And, uh, they had all these old guys who were like just soldiers in that war coming, walking around and they built this giant diorama and they actually built the diorama and it was freaking huge. I've seen this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was really cool. And like, uh, like there's this one that stuck with me for so long and it's these two old guys walk up and they're like, they're like, what were you in the, in the war? And he's like, I was a sniper. I used a standard issue sniper rifle. And the other guy was like, I used a shotgun. And then they walk up and they're holding one of the brutes weapons, which is called the spiker, which is like a handheld shotgun. And the brutes are these huge characters that, that they used it as a handgun, but it's like as big as like, I don't know, a giant box. Like it's huge. <laughs> so, um, uh, but like, yeah, they, you know, they have the guy pick it up and turn it on and he's like, uh, holding a weapon like this. I, I don't like it. And it's just like, it felt so real. Like they made it feel like a like real they, fight. Like they had PTSD. And yeah, exactly. Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. And they were like, it comes up and turns it on. So this weapon was armed then. It wasn't loaded, but yeah. it, like he just turned it on as in like, this is how you would fire up the weapon and stuff like that. And it was like, oh, it was so cool. And they built this like huge set, which was like this giant museum set, the hall of weapons. And they had, um, they had this one guy come out and talk about like how, um, there was like a, uh, funeral for master chief in in years years after the game w- was set and but the coffin was empty because like uh no spartan was ever listed uh killed in action only missing in action so it could be said that no spartan ever died mm-hmm. kind of thing like that so it it's just a great ad campaign so that was one of my favorite things so um, i assume they finished the fight yeah well in in they finished the fight on earth basically yeah. in this game but uh and then they take it to hell yeah to go back to do but uh so it worked uh in short so they spent 40 million uh marketing halo 3 the game made 170 million just in the u.s on the first day of release um it generated more money in 24 hours than any other american entertainment property ever so like movies music anything it halo at that time um it was later surpassed by um call of duty because I remember when that happened, uh, Modern Warfare 2, I think it was. But um, yeah, uh, in more money in 24 hours than anything ever. Uh, Halo would make an additional $130 million by the end of the week and sell 3.3 million units by the end of the month. Uh, by 2008, Halo 3 had sold 4.8 million units in the United States alone uh, for a total of 8.1 million units worldwide, making it the best-selling game of 2007. Um, worldwide numbers uh in in the first week it sold uh 300 million dollars us in the first just the first week so and uh it doubled the sales of the xbox 360 um than the week before just when the game launched so everybody bought an xbox for it and and maybe this will come up in your later halo conversations but did they not do like halo themed consoles and controllers oh yeah all of that stuff i have i have the uh, master chief uh, controller Xbox 361 and it's one of my favorite controllers. I it's, love it. It's really they cool. They had a whole console um, that was like, really cool and it had like an orange uh, like this slot to, okay. to mirror his visor and stuff like and that. And it was probably a pack-in game with... Yes, yeah. I believe yeah, when you bought that, it, the game was packed in with it. Um, that That's actually one of those things where it's like just one of those things where every once in a while I go on eBay and I'm like, there's a cheap one on here. I might yeah. buy it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just because like I have a perfectly working Xbox 360 but I just kind of want that one. Yeah. Um, I've always loved all the Halo stuff they had and they did like the, um, you talked about last time, the um, Mountain Dew and Doritos and stuff. <laughs> yeah. That was part of the promotion. Uh, they had, uh, they did a custom Mountain Dew flavor and it was called Game Fuel. Uh, that was part of a part of the promotion. There was all sorts of stuff. They had, At least uh, they didn't call it Master Chief Sweat or something. <laughs> Pocari Sweat, <laughs> like in Japan. Yeah. But, uh, um, but there was a, there was Slurpee cups at 7-Eleven and I have one of those actually. Okay. I was like, the other th- thing I have to mention about this is like, I bought into this a thousand percent. Like <laughs> I remember I've never, I never have been and probably never will be as hyped for a game as I was for Halo 3. Like the marketing, it was just 
everywhere. And I was so pumped. You were the right demographic at the right time. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, it was that perfect time in my life. I was like in high school. I wanted yeah. it. I wanted a bro shooter. Like I had you bros. Were, you I still have to shoot. game fuel in your system to <laughs> yeah, this day. Exactly. That has never left your veins. Game fuel pumps through yeah. my veins. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was the best. The, the only last, um, uh, stat I want to list is that, um, the game drew over a million players to Xbox live to play online in the first 20 hours. So there's a million people online in 20 hours, which is crazy. Like, so yeah, the stats on Halo 3 are are nuts, and the marketing campaign clearly worked. But I want to uh, know how their servers held up under that. I think that they, I think they did hold up. Like, I don't yeah. think, uh, I don't it's think it crashed. Every modern game that launches with online now has like some horrible, horrible. Yeah, I think there was slowdown, and some people couldn't get on in that mm. first night. But like, yeah, they didn't, they didn't completely go down. Hmm. Um, the other, oh, the other, the other crazy thing about this game is that it actually leaked online a week before launch and uh, was downloaded. Like Microsoft actually got it off most of the torrent servers and stuff like that, but it was it had already been downloaded millions millions of times by the time that didn't, they got to it. And didn't really uh, hurt the sales by the sound. And it of didn't it. hurt the sales, but like people had posted like the ending of it online. Like you gotta wonder before, you, like a week before the game came out. You gotta wonder if that helped. And yeah, and that's the one of the things you know, too. Like everybody it, got to play it, everybody bought it. And the launch, it, like it not only did it leak online, like a bunch of retailers sold it early by accident. Um, the other thing too, actually, that Microsoft did is so it leaked online. But if you played it online with an Xbox Live account, as soon as you went on, uh, as soon as you went online with your Xbox, you <laughs> your you? your Xbox Live account was banned until the year nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> that was their response because wow. they were like, you obviously stole this game. Yeah. So now you're bad. Um, Until you change the console's internal clock back. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Forward, but forward. What, yeah. And, and, and they even Happy postdated birthday. it too, right? Because they were like, because you could tell when you, um, in, like when you first put a disc in on Xbox, like it kept that memory. So even if you stayed offline, like until the game launched legitimately, as soon as you went online to like play online, which was a huge draw for most people, you were done. It's too bad the servers will be down in that year because somewhere out there is a guy that's passing <laughs> down just, generation uh, to generation. Yeah. <laughs> like Some two generations. you'll be unbanned. Yeah. 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 Hundreds like, of generations. Freeze me until this year and thaw me so I can play Halo online. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, yeah, online, in, if we make it to the year 9,099, no, uh, we won't. We won't, but we won't make it, it past we'll, this year. So. We'll be, yeah. We'll yeah, be probably living in a matrix by then. Yeah. But uh, yeah, online will be. A different thing. We'll just be linked telepathically to everything. But uh, yeah, that's that's all I have to say for Halo Three. So uh, I guess then we should talk about what I've been playing. What have you been playing? What have I been playing? And uh, because I've been talking about Halo, I have had Halo on the brain. Uh, I actually have been playing um, Halo Spartan Assault or and Spartan Strike. I've been playing both. And what those are is they're actually uh, they were actually mobile games originally. That came out. I think they came out. I want to say alongside Halo Four. I'm gonna say is the when the first one came out. It was kind of like a side marketing thing, but like a little mobile game. And um, they're kind of a uh, top down sort of view. And it's it's a little bit of uh, Halo expanded universe stuff. So what it is is it's basically you're like you're in you're in the academy in like the the Spartan Academy or or just one of the uh, military academies and they're talking about here's all these tactics that these guys uh that like different spartans used during the wars and you're kind of so you play out these levels and they're kind of like you know he used like a pincer movement or something like that and so you get to play through these levels it's a top down it's designed for mobile so basically what it is is it's one of those games where your guy just fires his gun relentlessly and you just you just as soon as you point your finger on the screen, he starts firing and wherever your fingers mm. pointed. So, so it's still an action game. It's still an action game. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of a top-down action game. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. It's a fun little game. Um, it, I, I bought them on Steam. I didn't want to play them on mobile because they actually look pretty good. Um, the the graphics, you know, they obviously put a decent amount of time into them. So, And that is what I'm putting into the giveaway. Is the uh, I'm going to put both in. So it's called the Halo the Halo Spartan bundle on Steam, but it's both Spartan Assault and Spartan Strike. And uh, so that enters our giveaway along with, oh, I had it written down, but what was it called? Antichamber. Antichamber, thank you. Uh, Antichamber is the other game we're going to throw in there, which is the game that Aaron doesn't like. Highly, told highly regarded. Not to play, <laughs> but 10 out of 10 on Steam. <laughs> Boo, <laughs> so it's a good game, yeah. 
So I'm, I might have to go against yeah, your, I think your you word have to go now and check it out. Go ahead. But, uh, go ahead. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the other game that's going to go away. And remember that your chances of winning these games and the last three, the last games that we talked about last time. So we have Sonic Adventure 2. We have Overcooked and we have Dear God. Um, you, so you can win uh, one of those three games and one of the two we mentioned this week. So it's a two game giveaway this week. Uh, your chances are as good as one and one and to win those games is the same as always. You just hop onto Twitter and click that retweet button on any one of the three tweets that go out about the podcast each week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or, uh, leave us a comment on iTunes or sorry, uh, review on iTunes or a comment on SoundCloud. And that's all you have to do to enter those contests and win two games of your choice. Uh, and yeah, if you want to, if you really wanted to play, if you really wanted the halo Spartan bundle and, uh, Anti-chamber, you could have those two. I, I'm not going to be too picky. So you basically get two two games to pick from out of six. Um, yeah, so that's all for this week. You say our Twitter Twitter handle? Oh, yeah, of course. Our Twitter handle. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so you. people can actually so retweet. So people can actually retweet. Yeah, that's, that would be important. Our Twitter handle is the same as the podcast name, VGM Generations. So And you can also reach us at the email address, vgmgenerations at gmail.com if you want to just... Send any. Please feel free to argue with us. Argue oh. with us about <laughs> which is the best Halo game, which is the best Fantasy Star game, yeah. which is the best Street Fighter or Capcom versus SNK game. Yeah. <laughs> which is better, Doom versus Halo? Yeah. Or you just want to uh, give us ideas for episodes? We're always very open to that stuff like that. Or uh, correct any of our mistakes, but people <laughs> usually like to do that on Twitter. They like yeah. to publicly shame people. So call us. But <laughs> I, I want to. I want to fight with somebody. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> somebody get out there and fight with us. Aaron, Aaron's got the fight in him. But uh, yeah, that's all for this week, and we will catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>